Hello and welcome to the Popcorn Isn't Real, a podcast where we talk about all things conspiracy theories regarding film and other media. I'm Leif Eric and I'm here with my brother Torvald. And today we're going to be talking about Candyman. So Candyman, it's from uh, 1992? Yes, 1992's Candyman, written and directed by Bernard Rose. So this is a film about a crazy ghost or slasher uh, named Candyman who kills people with his hook hand. And he kind of starts haunting this woman named Helen and making it seem like she's a murderer, right? Yes. My theory is that Helen actually goes crazy midway through the movie after receiving a concussion to the head from a man who was pretending to be Candyman. And during the resulting insanity, she subconsciously pretends to be Candyman, as well as uh, exacting revenge on all the people who had recently slighted her. Now, one caveat to this theory is that this is a movie where there are two different possibilities. Either Candyman is real, or Candyman is fake. And the movie is clear about this. Well, I was going to ask you, like, how does your theory deviate from the movie in any way or does it? Like, I think that in a way it doesn't. I think that it's all spelled out there in the movie, right? Like, that's what the movie about, uh, is about. That's the question of the movie is, is she crazy or is she not crazy? But I think that most people get to the end of the movie and kind of come away thinking she's not crazy, right? There yeah. was something supernatural going on here. Candyman was real. She comes back in the end. She gets buried. Right. She's dead. She comes back. <laughs> That's supernatural. She's a ghost. Well, and I would say that Candyman is often just like listed as one of those like uh, one of the slashers. You know, he's not necessarily as famous as Jason or Freddy or Michael Myers or Chucky or whatever. Right. But he is often listed as one of those big name uh, horror dudes. Well, that, um, and can he I does, stop you here? Because that's actually something I wanted to ask you about. So this movie came out in 1992. Um, which I, for me, I don't know if you'd agree, but for me, the nineties is like prime time for slashers, right? Yeah, like, that was got a, like, it was shortly before their huge resurgence in 1996. Right? Yeah, so it was Scream, like four years Urban before we got, yeah, no, you had, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. There was just a huge resurgence of slashers. Is this movie part of that movement? to you like do you count Candyman as a slasher movie is he a slasher like you said he might be less popular than them than you know no. the big name slashers so but is he one of them i think it's coming in at the tail end of the heyday of the 80s slashers but i don't think that it was trying to be a slasher i think that it was trying to be a psychological horror and what happened was that because it was the 90s coming out of the 80s they just threw a whole lot of special effects blood over everything and made everything really gory. Like a lot of times psychological horrors are more elevated, like they're kind of considered more high art and slashers are not. And I think because they poured so much kind of like gory, cheesy blood on this movie, it got downgraded to slasher in a lot of people's eyes. But I don't think that's what it was trying to be. How do you feel personally, though? Do you feel that that downgraded it or do you think that that suited it? I kind of feel like maybe the blood is a bit much, but I it honestly, like it never occurred to me. It was just when I was like kind of reading on Wikipedia about how this film was received, that there were a lot of people who kind of didn't like it and thought of it as more just like a B movie slasher horror with tons of Dude, blood. B movie. Bees in it. <laughs> and that's not definitely not what I thought when I first watched it. I thought, Hey, this is a pretty cool 
uh, psychological horror. Well, the reason I thought the movie Candyman was because I was trying to watch all the slashers. And I noticed that on many sites, like Candyman was getting listed as one of them. And so that's why I watched the movie. But I, I actually thought it was interesting because I noticed that it was almost like a psychological horror. But I thought the fact that it was a psychological horror with a slasher in it I thought that improved it. Like, I thought that was really cool. It added yeah. a certain, like, menacing right. touch to it that so it's he's not, not just right. all in You're her right. head. He keeps coming back like he's a slasher. Like, he'll yeah. always be there to mess stuff no. up, whether it's psychological or not. I, I thought it was kind of cool. And I do like Candyman. Like, I think Tony Todd, the actor, is awesome. I think he's just got mm -hmm. a really cool voice. He's good. He's, he's just, yeah, like, he's so great deep. voice. Really menacing. His character design, I think, is really good. His just, like, weird fur coat that he wears, even though Durf. he was killed, like, down in the south or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then he always takes it off, and he's just a ribcage. And, like, uh, <laughs> That's what he right. does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And his hook hand is kind of interesting in that it was just, like, Clive Barker actually just decided to make his own little story about an urban legend so he just combined Bloody Mary and Hookman, which are two very popular urban legends. Well, how does Clive Barker factor in here? How is he involved? This movie was based on a short story written by Clive Barker, but the film itself was written and directed by Bernard Rose. Right. And Clive Barker, he's a prolific horror author, right? Right. Yeah. He's famous for a great number of horror franchises. Uh, most notably, Hellraiser is like his most uh, right. long running film franchise, at least. I know Clive Barker from... Clive Barker's Jericho? Yes, I know him from Clive Barker's <laughs> Jericho. I know him from video yeah. games, first and foremost. Now, I've never played Clive Barker's Jericho, but I always thought it had a pretty sweet name. Yeah, <laughs> Clive dude. Barker's Jericho. He feels to me more like a heavy-handed Stephen King, like an in-your-face Stephen King. Yeah, well, yeah, he likes more gore. He likes monsters. He kind of likes weird devices and stuff like that. We'll talk about him more when we do our Hellraiser episode. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. Well, today we're talking about Candyman. I, I really liked this movie. I thought it was weird. I'd never heard of it before you told me about it. And that was weird because it was a good movie. Like I thought as a slasher, it works. As a psychological horror, it works. The acting was great. Like I, there was nothing about it I didn't like. It didn't even feel like super old. To me, it actually like when, I mean, when Candyman's not around and there's not tons of blood, it feels kind of like Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying kind of. I think a lot of people might be offended by that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it is an apt comparison because Silence of the Lambs featured Jodie Foster and her best friend was Casey Lemons. And in this, we've got Virginia Madsen and her best friend is Casey Lemons. So there is wow. that comparison that makes it feel similar. Yeah, I mean, I thought... I thought it was a really good movie and I really enjoyed it. And it surprised me that I'd never heard of it. That was mostly what I came away from it. Yeah. With, I was just like, why have I never heard of this? This is right. good. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I was just like, this is cool. Like it, it feels cool. It's not, I don't like, despite what we were talking about the gore, like, I don't think it actually is super in your face. It's kind of a, a fun little psychological horror. It's got this awesome Candyman guy in it. And it's kind of open-ended, a little ambiguous. And it also, like, the score for this movie is awesome. The composer was named Philip Glass. And just the main theme for this movie is just so great. Like, just so haunting and, and awesome. I think the gore of this movie was pretty in your face. Like, there, right. is, there was a lot <laughs> okay. of blood. <laughs> there was. There was a dog's head ripped off. There was, right. like, bee makeout sessions <laughs> like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah what i mean is to me it never felt like 
a cheesy, campy 80s slasher, really. Like, even the dog head, like, when I first saw that, like, sure, you can kind of tell it's fake, but, like, it looks kind of like a real dog head, and that was a very disturbing image the first time I watched it. It wasn't like Army of Darkness gore in your face. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, Sam Raimi. Okay. Not, it wasn't Sam Raimi, although Ted Raimi is in it. <laughs> well, that's quite the connection, <laughs> dude. <laughs> Let's get into your theory. So why do you feel that this is the definitive, the true interpretation of the movie that she went crazy and started killing people? Well, I just think it's supported by her character and the journey of her character, like the journey that she goes on throughout this. I think that they drop hints throughout and I think that they're very subtle, but I do think that they're there. So at the beginning, Helen is a graduate student uh, who is writing her thesis about urban legends. She is married to Trevor Lyle, who is a professor at this university in Chicago. So she's doing her thesis. Is she a student at Trevor's university? I wasn't sure about that. Yes. I don't know if she's working on her master's or her PhD, but the way she like rubs shoulders with like her husband and this, this Purcell guy, I don't know if you remember him, makes it feel like she's more like a PhD candidate. <laughs> no, I so. agree with that. But what struck me as odd was that she comes into her husband's lecture and he's lecturing on urban legends. And then afterwards, she you know walks up to him all angry and she's like, how dare you give a lecture that overlaps with my thesis? And he's like, I gotta follow the curriculum, honey. <laughs> like, why did she expect him to revise the school's curriculum just to not overlap with her thesis. Like, that confused right. me. What, what, what's going on? What's well, wrong okay. with her? But professors at universities, they have the freedom to be able to plan out how and when they teach their curriculum. And when she comes in, she says, you promised you wouldn't do this until next semester. So she wasn't asking him to not do it. She was asking him to wait until after she did her thesis. Like, to me, it seems like her husband is basically just stealing her research and taking it and just using it as a lecture before she even had a chance to like actually turn in her, her thesis paper. Okay, so you think it's an instance of like, she wants to be credited for it. Like she wants, when he says this, she wants him to cite her and he can't do right. that because she hasn't Well, and she doesn't want yet. him to break it, you know, to, 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 to be the one who premieres it or whatever you call yeah, it, yeah. right? Like this is her story, right? So she is doing this research and he, you know, as as a married couple, they are talking and sharing and he's learning her research and he right. immediately takes it and inserts it into his course without her permission. Exactly. And okay. as she said, she, she tells him that he broke his promise, meaning he had they had talked about it. Right. <laughs> he had promised not to do it this semester. Right. She's researching a specific urban legend called Candyman, and she ends up getting led by different people who she interviews to Cabrini Green, which is this an, a real area in Chicago that's um, not the safest place to be walking around. You say Candyman's name five times in a mirror, which I just think, why five, five times? times. <laughs> that's so stupid. I mean, just from a film standpoint, that's so stupid. Because like by the time they get to four, anyone watching is just like, wait, how many? How many I think, did she say it five times yet? It, right. Like he, people don't count higher than three. Like I know that 
they wanted to make it a little different than than Bloody Mary, but like five is just dumb. And even in Jordan Peele, the guy who made Get Out, he's doing a remake of it that's actually going to come out soon. Ooh. He kept it five times, right? And I maybe he's going to use that as a joke because Jordan Peele's movies are a little more funny. Um, but I just think it's like it was a prime time man for you to cut out two of those candy mans and make this movie just a little faster and a little less confusing why they have to uh, say candy man candy man candy man candy like you know, it you... just gets awkward by the time they're up to four right like right. especially <laughs> at the end where he like accidentally says helen five times in front of the mirror it's right. like dude why are you saying helen still helen. you already said it helen. so many times helen. stop saying helen. Helen. like we weren't counting whereas like you know in like that uh episode of supernatural with with bloody mary like you know like bloody mary bloody mary it's like oh no they're gonna say it the third time whereas in this when she says candy man candy man candy man candy man you're like and then she pauses you're like oh she's stopping because she said it five times right you don't feel the tension because she actually only said it four times and she's waiting to like you know build tension but you weren't counting so you don't know and then she says that you're like oh oh that was the fifth time <laughs> Right. So any uh, aspiring writers or directors out there, take note. Viewers can't count. <laughs> no, we don't count. Right, at least they three, can't okay? count past three. <laughs> uh, anyway, the urban legend is that if you say his name five times in a mirror, he shows up and kills you with a hook. Right. And uh, she does, joking with her friend Bernadette, say it five oh, times no. in a mirror. And do then that. she goes to Cabrini Green. Uh, eventually she gets uh, beaten up by a man who who is real, who is not supernatural, who claims to be Candyman, who has a hook, and who the police confirm did murder people in that apartment building. And the police capture this guy. She starts seeing Candyman after that. She wakes up in a pool of blood, and someone has murdered this woman's dog, and this woman's baby is missing, and the police think she did it, and she's arrested, and then she gets out on bail, and then Candyman shows up and kills her best friend and the police think she did it again and she's committed to an insane asylum. She gets out and she ends up saving the baby that's missing and confronting Candyman and ends up kind of killing herself in the process of trying to save this baby. And then uh, at the end, it's like, oh, now she's Candyman. Like she's been brought back. It's a ghost kind of thing. As I was saying, though, I think that there are little hints thrown throughout that Candyman does not exist, that she is Candyman, right? Right. One of the little hints, I think, for this theory is that at the very beginning when she goes into her husband's class, he has a bunch of things on the blackboard that are listing why do urban legends exist or something like that. And the reasons are things like uh, some basis of truth resides in forbidden areas to keep children away. And then one is like deformities, appliances. But then there's one that I think kind of doesn't fit with the other, which is often a victim seeking revenge. And I think that's kind of a small little hint that this is what Helen ends up doing. After she ends up getting this head trauma, I think she goes crazy. But every person she kills, I think she's seeking a small amount of revenge for. All right. I have some questions about the revenge that she was getting on the different victims. And I, I'm going to yeah. go through each victim <laughs> and I want you to tell me because <laughs> I've got some questions. But first of all, Candyman seems to be very multifaceted. <laughs> yeah. You might even say convoluted. <laughs> yep, <laughs> sir. Well, so, <laughs> right. Along with his na saying his name five times, the name Candyman right. sucks. Right. So the name <laughs> right. Candyman, what does he have to do with candy? 
nothing. literally nothing except he was covered in honey. I he guess? was covered in honey, right? So it was so like a candied let's apple. Get into how this. you so cover can- it in Candyman's origins from the 1800s? He gets his hand sawed off. He never gets a hook. <laughs> he gets his hand sawed off. He's covered in honeycomb, and then he's burned. <laughs> like these are three very very disparate mm-hmm. things. <laughs> like yeah, he gets his hand sawed off, covered in honey, killed by bees. And then his body is burned. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he was actually killed by bees and yes. then burned. So uh-huh. being burned didn't kill him. <laughs> All right. <Nope. laughs> Nowadays, Candyman's still around. He appears when you say his name in a mirror five times. <laughs> he typically comes through a hole behind your cabinet in your, right. in your bathroom. <laughs> That's where he likes to come from. He has a hook hand. Even though he never got a hook hand when he was originally killed. He sometimes kills you with bees or has bees present when he kills you. (laughs) Now, like in this movie, did he kill anyone with bees? I don't think he did kill anyone with bees in this movie. Okay. Because I know in the sequel, he does kill people with bees. But in this movie, he does not. Okay. I haven't seen any of the sequels, by the way. We're not going to talk about them. They're they're honestly not really worth seeing. So, okay. Continuing with Candyman, a lot of the times he kills you in bathrooms, but yeah. not always. But he likes <laughs> to kill you in bathrooms. <laughs> he mostly kills you with hooks. Sometimes he, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they alluded to he chops off your genitals yes. and puts them in the toilet. <laughs> right. um, he also <laughs> hides blades in candy, but doesn't give it to anyone. He just puts it in his room. <laughs> And he graffitis a lot (laughs) and he possesses people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's about everything I can gather about Candyman. No, no, this is a huge conglomeration of a bunch of different random ideas. The reason why, because Candyman's not real, right? Right. Like, aside from the very end of this movie, there's actually nothing supernatural that happens, right? There are a lot of different ideas here. And I think that's the point of the movie is that there were... It's an urban legend that has come together from a whole ton of different stories. Some of them true, some of them not. Like maybe there was a a man who was killed by bees and his hand chopped off because he had an affair with this rich person's daughter, you know, um, in the 1800s, right? You know, and maybe yeah. that that story had circulated. But then a lot but of the other things like... maybe that never had a hook attached to him, right? So that right, came like, later is what exactly. you're saying. Like, and the hook the thing like... The current Candyman is not real is what you're saying. Like he is nothing. He is fiction. Right. Yeah, he is completely fictional. Well, and the the hook thing I think came about and also killing people in bathrooms, all that all that stuff came about because there was literally a man in Cabrini Green who was coming through bathroom windows and was killing people with a hook. Right? And they okay. arrest that man. So I Except think Except the one murder that seems most linked to that man was the killing in the outdoor bathroom outside of the store, <laughs> yes. which did not have a hole to come through. <laughs> right. But when she talks to the detective, when she asks, is this the man who killed, who murdered the, those people? He says, there's no question. This guy killed everyone. He was Candyman and we know everything about him. Like they've been investigating this guy for a while. So I think that's kind of why we can believe him because this is his job. He's been investigating him. I, presumably they have evidence, although we don't get get into that, right? So Candyman is a conglomeration of legends. The living person who was imitating Candyman, his actions were being attributed to the legend 
That's what you're saying. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that he probably, that was in his favor. Like he may have even spread the legends himself, like the new parts, because he didn't want people to testify against him or whatever. So the very first victim of, you would say, Helen as Candyman, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. your theory, was the dog. The dog, yeah. What did the dog do to her? I mean, it barked at her. Yeah, the dog barked at her, dude. (laughs) (laughs) She hated that dog. No, I think that as nice and sweet as Helen was, I think that Candyman, in a way, was born to do what she couldn't do. Like, I think it's a facet of her personality. And whether he's getting revenge or he's protecting her, uh, I don't necessarily think what he does, there might not be a trackable motive because Helen herself had head trauma, right? That's what started this whole thing, all the murders, right? Like she's crazy. So something is going on in her head. She's losing time. She has moments where she can't move just inexplicably. She can't move. There are other times where she seems completely hypnotized. Like her head's not working correctly. So I think that it was enough that this dog barked at her that in her weird dissociated state, she would go and kill the dog because there's this part of her now that's trying to protect her and trying to kill things that had slighted her in the past. Maybe the fear that that dog put into her was really deep-seated and she needed to overcome it by killing that dog or, you know, subconsciously, that was how she felt. Yeah, it's protecting her. It's doing the things that she wants, maybe getting revenge, things that she wouldn't consciously do. And I think the reason that it goes after Anne-Marie McCoy, maybe... I mean, the dog may have scared her, but I think that the main reason was to kidnap the child, right? Right. Okay. And so what did the baby do to her? Like, why was she well, mad at the baby? <laughs> okay. So the baby doesn't do anything to her, but Anne-Marie McCoy says to her, you got kids. Helen is like, no, but I'd love one. So, wow, and then she goes one. and she steals that kid, right? Like, <laughs> oh, like no. subconsciously, oh, she Helen. wanted a kid. And then in her weird state of just head trauma... And she's dissociated. She's losing time. She goes and she gets the last kid that she remembered, right? Okay. And then in that case, if her purpose there was to steal the kid, killing the dog could have been self-defense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Not trying to say she wasn't a criminal. I'm not trying to justify her actions. I'm just saying that maybe she killed the dog to protect herself. I want to talk about her other victims, but first I need to talk about this baby. So in the movie, she is captured by police after a few murders and she is kept drugged up for a month. How is this Mm -hmm. baby still alive? (laughs) And who's taking care of it? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting to one of the main things that will try to disprove this theory. And that is definitely one of the things, the strongest evidence that Candyman is real is the fact that this baby is still alive after a month. And so my theory with that how did the so how did the child survive one month there are a couple different ways that this could have happened all right so one thing is that she has a flashback early on of where the baby is right yeah she knows where it is she knows exactly where it is she is it's in that that abandoned apartment where she was like she's been there and then but when she finds the baby it's actually not there where's the baby it's in the bonfire so clearly she's been moving it around right without knowing another possibility is that and we'll get to the candy so uh i uh, sorry i I had actually been wanting to talk about this because you had mentioned candy man puts razor blades in candy now that was an interesting interpretation i had never thought of it that way i had always thought that the kids who live in Cabrini Green and believe in Candyman 
were the ones putting the razor blade candy there. Like maybe on this weird sort of warped belief that his name is Candyman, he must want or eat candy. And also maybe we're going to hurt him a little because he's a monster. So we put razor, razor blades in it. Whoa, I don't think most people would interpret it like that. <laughs> well, so you thought that Candyman put that candy there. Why? Because it's a it is a very common urban legend that some bad well, guy yeah, no, will I know put that. razor blades in candy and then give them out. Candyman is a conglomeration of urban legends. He's okay. a bad guy. He puts razor blades in candy. That's what bad okay. urban legend guys do, right? Right. Okay. So well, I mean, it doesn't really matter who put the candy there. But the point is, Candyman doesn't exist, and someone is putting candy there. And this is where the baby was stored. Maybe they did tell someone about the baby. When she's first arrested, they're asking a lot, where's the baby, where's the baby, where's the baby? But then after she spends a month in that place, no one ever mentions the baby again to her. Right. Like, she goes and finds the baby. But I think maybe she didn't go and find the baby. I think maybe they found the baby. I mean, if it was in that apartment and it was crying, it wouldn't take long to find that baby, right? right. Like she went into that apartment just on her own with Bernadette, just climbing through the wall, you know, and there was no screaming baby then, right? It would be very easy to find. I think that the entire ending where she saves the baby, I don't think that happens because I don't think that baby could have survived being in a bonfire. Like she doesn't survive being in that bonfire, you know? And like, no, presumably she she's protecting it from the baby, right? Like she's protecting it from, from heat with her own body. You know, like, 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 I don't think your arms are going to protect a baby from extreme heat on all sides okay, for I mean, very long. Humans are like, what, 80% water. And water doesn't immediately conduct heat like right away. Water needs to heat up. So I think having a, you know, a couple of bodies on top of you in between you and massive heat, I think that would act as a good barrier. Maybe that could help a little. I still think that baby would have died. Like she was really burned. It would have inhaled a lot of smoke. I don't think that that ending scene happens. I think okay. that she imagines the scene where she saves the baby and gives it back to Anne-Marie McCoy. I think that Anne-Marie McCoy already had that baby. I think she climbs out of the fire and looks at Anne-Marie McCoy, who has the baby, and just imagines that she saved the baby. I think that someone okay. else already found it. All right. So I, I'm. So you think that scene happened in that she died in that fire, but there was no baby there. It was in Anne-Marie's arms the whole time. Right. And possibly she didn't even climb out of the fire as we saw it because Jake sees a body in the flame. Right. And that could, you know, that's probably her. Maybe she didn't even climb out. Maybe Helen but just didn't get out of the fire. She must have climbed out because the whole crowd went and put a hook on her grave afterwards, right? Like they recognized her as the candy man. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she climbed out, you know, like people I mean, were probably... She like must she have though, to make that impression on them. Like they were burning candy man. They see her climb out. Boom. Yeah, she's okay. Candyman. Sure. Right? Like, she could have climbed out. I think it must have. Or, happened. But even like her body in the fire might have, you know, been like, oh, she was Candyman because we were burning this fire for Candyman, you know? But like, it doesn't really matter whether she climbed out or not. My point was just that, that the ending, that ending sequence, I don't think really happened that way. Okay. What it means is that at the end, when everyone from Cabrini Green shows up at her funeral, 
it's not an act of love as the film kind of portrays it. It's just no. them like recognizing she was evil Candyman. <laughs> we're giving her right. a hook like it's, it's, and we're leaving. It's like we've come to dance on her grave kind of thing. Like yeah. <laughs> not not like happy, but like we recognize that this evil thing is dead. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We'll bury Candyman's legend with her. Oh, no. Until Trevor brings it back. Right. Which, again, I do think is another hint that they were the same person. Right. She's buried oh, yeah? with Candyman in a way. Right. Like she yeah. does. Yeah. as does Candyman and then the end of the movie despite what the sequels may say implies that she is now Candyman implying that there really never was a Candyman to begin with yeah I get that implying that Candyman was fictional all along and he is an urban legend that will continue to evolve and grow and change and also right. Candyman's own dialogue in the movie supports that when he's telling her like yeah. we won't die we'll live on in the words and the graffiti and <laughs> right I also just want to say that when this movie we were talking about her reasons for killing people when this movie opens i think the very first line we hear is Candyman narrating saying they will say i have shed innocent blood and i yeah. think that's just a hint that all the people who she kills are going to seem technically innocent <laughs> right also like, that they will say that he did it but really right. she did it <laughs> yeah yeah no anyway, I, I actually sorry. like that that's pretty good because i mean he does say it with the inflection of like they'll say this but they're wrong Right. <laughs> right. And it's the very first line of the movie. So she killed her best friend, Bernadette. Yes. Why did she kill Bernadette? <laughs> Bernadette was nothing but nice to her. <laughs> Bernadette didn't wrong her in any way. Here's the thing with Bernadette. Are they that good of friends? And by that, I mean every single thing that Helen does in this movie, Bernadette is always there to say, no, that's stupid. This is crazy. Let's get out of here. Stop what you're doing. Like she is constantly an antagonistic force to Helen. Right. And she's an anchor. She's holding right, her down. Exactly. Her back. Helen's obsession is originally with her thesis and with Candyman. And, and she, you know, she feels so strongly about this. She doesn't even want her husband to talk about it. And yet she's got Bernadette who she's working with here, who's constantly holding her back from doing the thing that she's obsessing over. And interesting to note, when Bernadette comes into the apartment, we don't see what Bernadette sees. She just looks forward and gasps and then mm -hmm. it cuts. And then Later, we see the husband come home or something. I forget exactly. But Helen has just been laying there like awake the whole time. She didn't even like pass out this time. She's just like paralyzed, I guess. Yeah, she just can't move. <laughs> Can barely talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so a few interesting things to note in this scene. She's bloody, presumably because Candyman cut her neck with a hook. But if yeah. you look at the cut on her neck, it's a very clean slice. And she's holding a kitchen knife which is bloody. Now there's no reason for that knife to be bloody. Like when her, when people actually arrive there and she's just laying there, her knife is bloody. Now the last time we saw that knife, she picks it up to defend herself from Candyman. It's not bloody. Right. And then when we see her, there's blood on her neck from where Candyman hit her, but her arm is nowhere near her neck. So why is the knife covered in blood? Well, I think not only did she maybe cut herself with the knife on her neck, but she used it to kill Bernadette. Otherwise, what reason does that knife have to be bloody? So you think that she wanted to fight Candyman and because she's Candyman, she stabbed herself in the neck. Yes. And then okay. she killed Bernadette. <laughs> and then killed Bernadette. Okay. Right. Because Candyman, like the Candyman half of her personality clearly won that altercation. Another interesting thing to note in this scene is that when they show Bernadette's body after the police arrive, we don't ever see how Bernadette got killed. 
But Bernadette is covered with bloody photo slides. The slides yes. that she had given Helen in the previous scene, and Helen had been kind of looking through them. Why did she do that? And I think it has something to do with her subconscious, like they were working on this thesis together, but she was holding me back. So I got rid of her. And here's the slides you gave me, your part, your, your only con contribution to this thesis. Literally, the only thing Bernadette ever contributed was, no, let's not do it, you know? <laughs> All right. So you think Bernadette walked in on Helen trying to kill herself, was real scared, and then got killed. Yeah. And then Helen laid on the floor until the police arrived. Probably, yeah. you know, because she was bleeding a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or All even, right. it could just have to do with her weird head trauma. Like, sometimes she may not be able to control her motor functions. Yeah, and also, I mean, it could have to do Kenny with guilt, even. Over. Like, she, she feels this guilt, so she's just paralyzed with guilt. Okay. But also rage, because she hated... Bernadette for holding her back. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, a lot of this is, is very deep, deeply buried in her yeah, subconscious. Yeah, subconscious stuff. Okay. My one thing to note there is you said, were they that good of friends? They were that good of friends. <laughs> Bernadette followed her into the depths of that ghetto. No, Bernadette <laughs> like was certainly a good friend. Gang members and angry, you know, dangerous people. Like Bernadette was, she was a true no, friend. No, Bernadette <laughs> is a great friend. I don't want to sell her short. I just mean from Helen's point of view, no, no, I know, maybe I know. she felt Bernadette was not that good of a friend subconsciously. Okay, I can I can buy it. If we're, we're going under the impression that Helen is a deeply deeply vindictive person and she <laughs> loves her thesis oh and, but, and was she does i so. mean like so let's look at the scene with purcell right they're just yeah. having a nice little chat mm -hmm. at dinner no i agree she <laughs> and is helen is like she is <laughs> Purce actually purcell we're about to bury you and she literally has no reason to say that. Because as Purcell no, points out, nice. no, they're not about to bury him. He knows way more about Candyman than they do. They know yeah. next to nothing about They know about nothing him. about Candyman. <laughs> like, also, he was kindly offering to review their thesis. Like, that's about the nicest right. thing any like subject matter expert could do for right. a person who's currently working on a thesis. Like, And I think this gives us, like, a window into Helen, how Helen's mind works. Like, he is offering to do nice things, yet she sees them as this just positive pompous windbag, you know, and she threatens to bury him, right? Like, she's already thinking about death. I mean, she doesn't mean literally no, bury no. him, but still, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, this This I have to give you. Like, this is true. That's how I interpreted the scene. I don't see any other way to interpret that scene. She loves her thesis. She is defensive and aggressive like, about her thesis. Right. And, and, like, irrationally so, right? Yeah. No, I mean... She, she doesn't like anyone who tries to butt into her thesis. Now, her last victim, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, her last victim was her psychiatrist, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. How did he wrong her? <laughs> he didn't do... He, he was just doing his job. He just sat her down and asked well, her, like, three questions. <laughs> we know from the very get-go of that scene that she views their relationship as antagonistic, Right. Like she asks him, shouldn't I be able to talk to my husband or my lawyer? And he tells her, I'm with your defense. Right. But like, well, I don't know that she necessarily internalizes him saying that. I think she views their relationship as you're keeping me here. kind of Right. Thing. And you are in my way of escaping and doing what I need to do. So I'm going to kill you. So is that that's and, well, all you have for the second? <laughs> and also, well, no. Also, he sh like she kills him. When does she kill him? She doesn't kill him right away. She kills him after he shows her the video that clearly proves there is no Candyman. Yes. <laughs> right? She is literally insane. He is threatening 
everything you know that she all the walls she's put up to protect her own psyche from what she's done right exactly she's got to get rid of him right like she has to kill him (laughs) okay so you're saying he wronged her in that he was an existential threat to her like she was protecting herself from him it makes sense for a lot of these things to be motivated by defense because what caused this was her getting assaulted right and not being able to defend herself yeah no that that also does track okay I need to ask you a few questions. How in the world did she kill the psychiatrist? How <laughs> so did now, she uncuff herself <laughs> and get out? We are touching upon the other main evidence against Candyman not existing, right? Much how in our Return to Oz episode, the straps proved the existence mm-hmm. of, <laughs> of Ozma. Oh, Ozma. Mm. This would seem to disprove the theory that Helen is the murderer and Candyman doesn't exist. Yeah. Now, I just rewatched this. I looked through that scene a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did you find anything? <laughs> no. Oh no. <laughs> but oh, I knew that when no. I when I first wrote down this theory months and months ago, I knew this would be the biggest hurdle, right? However, I must point out that the very first thing she says to him when she comes in is do you really think these restraints are necessary? Yeah. Now it's possible he he's, he's with her defense, right? Like he's not one of the hospital's doctors. Perhaps he didn't think they were necessary. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But I will grant you, Burke, uh, Dr. Burke uh, is his name. Burke is the most high profile kill in the movie. <laughs> and yeah. also the only murder that, we don't really get to see it very much, but it seems was done with a hook. Like, yeah, well, the dog. My next question is, how did she murder him? <laughs> right. She had no weapon. <laughs> but first, I do want to talk about the dog because that's a good evidence. The dog okay. was clearly not killed with a hook. It is a clean slice and she has a meat cleaver. Um, and yeah. then we already talked about her, her scar on her neck and the bloody knife. Like she wasn't hurt with the hook. Dr. Burke, like I said, it's the most high profile kill. And the most surprising one, right? Candyman just straight up stands up yeah, from behind the desk and just kills him. Now, I feel like this scene for me is what really solidifies Candyman as a slasher, right? This is yeah, his, this is the only kill. slasher kill like in the mm-hmm. movie, right? And I kind of feel like Maybe this was put in for that reason. Like, this is the night, like, this is 1992, just coming out of the 80s. Producers are like, he's a slasher, right? Make Candyman kill someone. And so, like, okay, he shows up and kills Dr. Burke. So, in this scene, Candyman's the one who released her. And if we're going with the theory that Candyman is her, then she must have somehow released herself. And also, she literally does release herself after that moment. Like Candyman breaks the window, but she escapes out the window. Like she clearly broke the window and escaped. And then she climbs down. She dresses as a nurse. She manages to use the keys to get into the elevator or whatever and get out on her own. Like she literally escapes that hospital by herself, except for the part where Candyman releases her. But Candyman is her. So, okay. (laughs) I'm going to offer you my only justification for your theory in regards to this scene. Um, I had two ideas. One is that if you look at her when she's struggling to get out of the restraints, she has very slender wrists and hands and the restraints look a little loose. Like they're not tight fitting to her wrists. 
Maybe she slipped her hands out. Oh, well, sorry. You had asked about the weapon. She breaks the glass in the window. She could have used a shard of glass to kill him. It's possible, yes, because the window was broken. So maybe. My other possible justification of what happened here is that the scene gets weird after she sees the video of herself. Yeah. And Candyman's not there, right? Like she kind of freaks out, withdraws into herself, then looks in the mirror and summons Candyman. This is out of character for her. And I thought mm-hmm. it was a weird yeah. thing for her to do. I get that she's desperate, but like, why does she think she can summon Candyman? Like, right. what's going Like, well, <laughs> this isn't something that she's yeah. done before. And does she want the psychiatrist to be murdered? Like, right. <laughs> what's she doing? And um, like, last time she said Candyman five times, like, how long did it take before she saw Candyman? Like, days. Right. <laughs> right. I took it to mean that perhaps everything from there on, she was having kind of like an internal crisis. And that was her mind's way of dealing with the rest of that meeting. He didn't die. She didn't actually kill him. She talked to him. She was wheeled out of there. And then she assaulted the girl who was taking care of her. Right. Right. Because that's the next thing we see is her knocking out this lady who, this nurse lady who is taking care of patients. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you hear people running around the hospital. It seems like they're looking for someone. It doesn't seem like there's a bloody murdered guy. (laughs) Right. Like it's. It's not like, quick, get paramedics up here, call the ambulance. It's like, quick, find her. It's true. And like that scene, like you said, is straight up weird. Like there is no other scene like that. And like I said, no other kill like that in the movie. And like Candyman just stands up from behind the desk and then he just levitates out the window. Like he never does anything like that in the rest of the movie, which I think, yeah, it could be that the rest of that scene was just totally imagined. Even the part where she says Candyman five times, I think is notable because it's like she is admitting to herself, this is a power that I have, right? I can summon Candyman. It's almost her sort of going toward the idea that he's within me. He's a power that I have that can protect me and help me. Now that we've talked about all of her victims, if she was going around killing people who wronged her, why didn't she kill her husband or the girl that he cheated with? But she did kill her husband. Right, at the very end. Right. And so that's actually something I wanted to talk about. I think she did kill her husband when she came back to his house. I think that ending scene happened before the part where she dies because she's dead, right? I think she showed up at the house and she killed her husband. And I know that doesn't quite fit in with the girlfriend discovering him, etc. You know, I think maybe she came into the house, she killed her husband, the girlfriend was, you know, doing the whole thing, cooking food, like, hey, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and then the girlfriend discovers the body. Maybe she didn't even have that conversation with her husband and the girlfriend, you know? Maybe she just okay. killed him and left. Um, but then that interferes with the ending because it seemed like in the end they were kind of hinting that either Trevor is now crazy or... His new girlfriend his is new crazy girlfriend. and is going to be the next <laughs> Helen, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was actually my other theory for this, for how her Trevor dies. is true. Okay. Maybe everything happened how we saw it. Maybe Helen did not kill him. And maybe his girlfriend, after having this traumatic experience where Helen showed up, also went crazy and killed Trevor. 
<laughs> now Helen's the urban legend, and this new girlfriend had a face-to-face confrontation with Helen and was driven crazy by that, and now she kills Trevor. <laughs> that's kind of how I took it, but uh, that's a, that's a little much though. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem is that Stacy didn't get any head trauma. Like, no. a lot of Helen's <laughs> psychosis can be explained with like you know she did suffer brain damage. Dude, that's our favorite way to explain bad <laughs> Dude, writing. She got that, hit on the head. Exactly. Like, you, you just threw a lot of stuff at me. But the one that you like most is that she killed him when she went home. Right. Because, like, out of everyone, he is the one who she has the most reason to want revenge for, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Not only like, did he, like, did kill him? like, he broke his promise at the beginning. We already talked about that. But also, like, she's pretty jealous of Stacy to begin with. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> yeah, like irrationally jealous. <laughs> you know, I mean, clearly she her jealousy was founded, but like in the moment, it didn't seem like Stacy did anything. She was just talking to her teacher. <laughs> oh, she was blushing from head to toe, Uh-oh. whatever she says. <laughs> um, also, like the second time we see Trevor, he just like leaps on her in her sleep, right. and he's coming yeah, home he comes drunk, home drunk <laughs> in the middle of the night, jumps on her, but like he was trying to scare her. Right. I don't know what's wrong. And he doesn't him. help her when she needs him the most yes, at like three a.m. when she's him, arrested. He's, and I thought this was kind of cool. She calls him. We see the room empty. And I was like, that's in her head. <laughs> like, right. that's what she is No, he totally could have been on. fast asleep. <laughs> Maybe he was fast asleep. It was 4 a.m. <laughs> when she shows up while they're painting the house, maybe mm-hmm. she shows up. Maybe Stacy wasn't even there. Right. That's what <laughs> she know? imagined was happening at her house. And then and that's she killed why Trevor. She killed him. And then maybe Stacy actually did come over later because she's a graduate student and found Trevor in the bathroom. I don't know. Cool. Now, the last person that. I want to ask about who I thought was even more of a potential victim than Trevor was the man who assaulted her. Yeah. Why didn't she kill him? <laughs> he <laughs> well, should have been the very first person that she killed if this is some sort of like right revenge psychological mm-hmm. horror. Yeah. But again, as we've talked about, the first time we see her after she's assaulted, she has just a massive like bruise over her eye, yeah. right? Like yeah, she's she looked, beat she's up. In bad shape. She's in no condition to take this guy on right after the assault is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. And then after that, he's in police custody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how is she going to get him? You know, like he's arrested. So yeah, I think that's enough. why she doesn't kill him. Like she has literally no way to get him. And if Candyman was real, if he was a mythical creature that could, you know, right. use magic powers. And if he was killing people that she hated, right. then he could have why, killed yeah. her. Why so wouldn't this, he this have? This is more proof yeah. that he wasn't real. This is all in her head. Yeah, he could have teleported her into that guy's gel cell and then she'd be covered in blood there instead of at Anne-Marie McCoy's house, you know? Right, exactly. She only, he only teleported her to places she could have gotten to by herself. Right, and so, the yeah, only I mean, people that, that, she kills in this movie are completely defenseless. Right, just defenseless <laughs> people, like her best friend who came to visit her, right? I mean, right. except for the psychologist, I guess. Like, or I guess the case, dog isn't totally defenseless, but, you know. It's a it, dog. It's just a yeah, dog. Yeah, dogs, dogs can be dangerous, but still just a dog. I do have a few more like little hints that maybe the filmmakers threw in, little things here and there from the very beginning that she was the killer. Dude, lay it on me. Let's hear it. When she first hears the story about Candyman from the cleaning ladies, 
she's sitting in her office, which kind of does seem to be slightly a classroom, but you know, she's got a desk there. She's writing, she's typing on like a ghost writer word processor, yeah. like blue screen, <laughs> white words. <laughs> yep. Um, now we see her face in profile and there's a blackboard and there's a complex equation on it. Just like, but just tons of numbers. Right. And I don't know why that's there. She's not working in math, but it's interesting to note that this entire complex equation equals one. That's the answer yeah. <laughs> is that there's only one from all these different variables. I think that could be a little hint from the director saying, Hey, there's only one killer. All these little variables, all these different things, doesn't matter. It's just one. It's just Helen. That's a bit of a stretch, but interesting. <laughs> I mean, I didn't notice the equation, and it's pretty weird that it's all equal to one. I mean, well, here's the thing. Working in Hollywood, I was on set for this one film shoot where we had already shot the wide, you know, the establishing. People come in, they do the scene, and then you cut to the close-ups, right? So we'd already shot the wide. We cut to the close-up, and in this close-up shot, you can see the fridge behind her. And then our cinematographer stops and is like, no, we can't shoot it like this. There is a white magnet behind her. And he's like, we can't shoot that. We need to black it out. And I'm like, but we already shot it. Like, to me, it's better to have continuity. And he's like, no, we have to get rid of that because if I shoot a white block behind her in a close-up like this, it means something. <laughs> like, yeah. like they, people who make movies are very conscious of what is in the frame and anything that's in the frame means something. Anyway, that's my argument for that. Like everything you see in the frame, someone thought about it. Even if it wasn't the director, someone thought about what they wrote on that blackboard. But I would say it's less likely that it was the director who thought about it and more likely yeah. that it was someone from the prop department who was just told, hey, make this place look like a classroom. Right. And they thought, what do classrooms have? Math equations. And then wrote <laughs> one down, right? Right. <laughs> I think that's the most likely thing. So another little hint. In her bathroom when she's talking to Bernadette and showing Bernadette that you can push through the back of the medicine cabinet, on her wall, she has a mask of Mr. Punch from Punch and Judy. Now, okay. Mr. Punch is a man who killed his wife and child. Mm -hmm. She is a woman who ends up killing her husband and almost kills Anne-Marie McCoy's child, which she kind of takes as her own. I mean, that's that's interesting. I think a Punch and Judy reference is a very odd thing to be in the film. So, yeah, uh, I think just on her there, wall, <laughs> it probably has a it, it means something. And then at another point, when Helen and Bernadette are going to Cabrini Green, uh, she says an entire community attributes horrors in their lives to this one killer. And I think this is foreshadowing. She attributes all the horrors that happen in her life to one killer. Right. Okay. But she's she's telling Bernadette that, of course, the killer doesn't exist. Right. They're just creating this as a scapegoat for all their problems, which is also what she does. Oh, that's kind of cool. The first real image we see of Candyman is a painting on the wall and she literally climbs out of his head. <laughs> much Dude, like I was actually going to mention that will be born from her head later. Mm hmm. No, that one, that one's very, very deliberate. That one's on the nose, right? Out of his head. <laughs> yeah. She goes into that room and sees it. She takes pictures in that room. Her friend gets the pictures developed, but we never see her friend viewing the pictures. Nope. <laughs> she just says, here's the pictures and hands them to her. And then Helen looks at the pictures all by herself. On her own. And sees Candyman in the pictures. Right. right? Like, so that, that once again implies that what she's seeing is not what's real. I mean, that was another thing that I was actually going to mention was that when she is looking at those pictures, like you said, she sees Candyman. 
She doesn't tell anyone. She doesn't pick up the phone. She doesn't be like, hey, look, look, this guy was right behind me, right? Like, I think in some way she knows that that's not real, you know? Mm -hmm. She's just using that to convince herself there was someone else there, but she knows she couldn't use it to convince yeah. anyone else. No, I agree that her reaction to seeing Candyman was was a non-reaction. She was just like, oh, yes, he's there. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? As <laughs> I always Helen? suspected. <laughs> Another part about that scene which struck me as fabricated was that um apparently her photos are like three-dimensional and that projector is some sort of magical <laughs> projector because she refocuses right. this photo to show something that was not in focus when the photo was taken right <laughs> right which like, is impossible she views the photo <laughs> candy man is in the background but not in focus she refocuses it to make him in focus. Right. Photos don't work like that, lady. Right. No matter what, that is clearly in her head. Yes. <laughs> Even early on in the film, there are deliberate, like, things that are sort of similar be between her and Candyman, like a pack of brutal hooligans. This is from Dr. Purcell's story. A pack of brutal hooligans were paid to kill Candyman. Helen was yep. accosted by a pack of brutal hooligans, mm -hmm. right? And yep. like, this is I, when I she starts identifying with him most, you know? Like, I thought that it was strange that he used the words pack of brutal hooligans paid to do it when he could have called them anything because uh, the pack of paid hitmen, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and early on in the film, there are a couple times where she takes a picture, like when she's in the bathroom, she takes a picture of the word sweets. And as it flashes, you see a flash of Candyman's face, like his painting. Mm -hmm. um, and this is right before her head trauma happens. Yes. And I was going to ask you about that because she's having head problems before the head trauma. Right. But I mean, I think at this point, maybe it's just part of her obsession because she is very obsessed with Candyman. But I think what's really interesting here is that after she finds out that definitively Candyman is not real. He is that man who attacked her in the bathroom. Shortly after that, when she's walking through the parking garage, Candyman kind of shows up and sort of hypnotizes her for the first time. Mm -hmm. The same thing happens. We see flashes of a face, but it's not Candyman's face. It's her no, face. It's her face. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that you brought it up because I was gonna. No, and the interesting <laughs> thing there is that first she sees one flash of the graffiti of Candyman's face that she climbed out of the mouth. And uh -huh. then every other flash is her face, which yeah. to me was almost the strongest proof implying she yeah. is Candyman. She exactly. is Candyman. <laughs> like this yeah, is Over him. and over again. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's a shot of her face and they're flashing to a quick shot of her face, right? Like it's just a weird thing to do unless what you're trying to say is she's Candyman. And this is shortly after she tells Jake, like, Candyman's not real. A bad man took his name so he could scare us, which is what she does. She takes his name so she can scare people. Right. And I mean, specifically the fact that she's that Candyman says to her, you were not content with the stories. So I was obliged to come like it's it's showing that she wanted him to be more than a story. <laughs> so she made him. She became him. Right. Even though we do get a few random little flashes of the graffiti of Candyman before her head trauma, she doesn't see Candyman until after her head trauma. And as I yeah. already kind of alluded to earlier, like why? She said Candyman, 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 Candyman way earlier, days earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Why does it take this long for Candyman to show up except that, you know, he's in her head yeah. And he doesn't really fully materialize until after her no, head trauma. Really she show goes up crazy at all. <laughs> so that's my basic theory, dude. No, it's been it's been really fun talking about Candyman. I think it's a really good movie. I think it deserves a bigger following than it has, or at least a bigger recognition among public. I think it's a cool movie. I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
And uh, as, as for your theory, so your theory is that there are two ways to interpret this movie. One way is the right way, and that is that Helen is the Candyman. She mm-hmm. kills the people in this movie. Yeah. Um, I can buy it. As I watched the movie, I was like, that's just the movie. That's not a theory. That's how it is. Right. But um, I do have to say, how did she kill the therapist? <laughs> right. right. Like, well, and that's, that's why that's I'm kind of uh, grateful for like those scenes of like, how did the baby survive? for a month uh, how did she kill a therapist because that's what makes this a theory right like without that there yeah. would be no question you know yeah. but with that it's like well you know can't even had to have been there so there's actually something to debate good movie thanks for introducing me to it yeah i love Candyman. um everyone should go watch it you think that jordan peele will give us like money if i say go watch jordan peele's remake when it comes out <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Dang it. Hey everyone, go watch Jordan Peele's remake when it comes out. It's going to be great. But anyway, uh, well, thanks for watching Candyman. And everyone else, you should go watch Candyman. It's a great movie. Thanks for listening to our theory. And we'll see you next time on The Popcorn Isn't Real. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. Opening music for this episode was provided by Christine. If you want to see how our theory holds up, we provide links in the episode description where you can enjoy the media we discuss. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And remember, the popcorn isn't real.